tune in, tone up. Your one-stop shop for guitar tricks, tips, techniques and advice. With me, Gary Shilliday, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. folks. Alright there Dan. Alright, how are you? Good thanks. We're back for another lesson aren't we? Would seem so. I'm feeling a little under the weather right now. Uh, so if I'm slower than average. <laughs> Don't forget your coffee. That's slovenly Davies. That's the reason why. Uh, well we had a good lesson last time on rhythm. I really enjoyed that. Yeah they seem to be quite popular the lessons on rhythm. As, as I've said previously I think it's possibly a attack that not everyone kind of goes down. However, yeah. I understand you and our uh, our friend Tim have been sort of looking at some of the videos of the pedal show. We have, yeah. We 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 saw a great video on that pedal show um, about how to set up your sound for two guitars. Yeah. And so uh, Tim and I have both kind of come with you with a similar question, really, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. Asking uh, about our own band, where we've got two guitars and very little time to work out our parts, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, what advice you've got us for some of the songs we do. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's a a subject that it really needs to be addressed. Yeah. And, you know, I I sort of hats off Dan and Nick on the pedal show for addressing it. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's one of those things that it doesn't happen by accident. Now I've played in many different kinds of setups. I've played played in bands where we've got you know four of us or three of us, or it's a duo, yeah. or literally you're gigging on your own with an acoustic guitar. Oh, and I've played with big bands too, you know, some big sort of jazz bands, swing bands, and each different sort of kind of band and however many members they have puts a different slant on things. Yeah. Now I realise with your band you're a five piece, aren't you? Yeah there's, four, yeah, there's five of us. We've got keyboard keyboard in there as well, which is... Six. Yeah, well, he's singing and playing keyboards, so there's only five of us, but six. Right, but six, six instruments. Yeah. I mean, the more people who, who sing and that sort of thing, and if they sing well and can sing harmony especially, mm. that really, really helps with the sound of a band. Our drummer sings some harmonies. That's cool too, yeah. because that's a rare thing, so I hold on to him. Yeah. So yesterday I was talking to Tim about this video, and we looked at a few songs which had entered into your set. Yeah. And hopefully, saying what these songs are, as we're pretty small time, won't get us knocked off of YouTube. Yeah, yeah. As long as we, I think, as long as we it's don't in the actually. Style of. Yeah. In the style of. Wink, wink. No, no. I'm just going to wink to a blind horse. Bad companies making. <laughs> yeah. Feel like making love. There you go. <laughs> and, and also, um, oh. We're also doing the one R-E-M. I love by R.E.M. R-E-M. Yeah. They're the new ones that we haven't really sort of worked out our parts for yet. Now, I've played both songs in bands. Ah, oh, that's handy. It does <laughs> help. Um, the one I love, I played in a, a band with just one guitar player. Yeah. So when I was chatting to Tim about coming up with an alternative part, there are definitely things that, that we could do, but it's going to be a little bit of a case of sort of shoehorning that part in there. Yeah. Rather than there being a nat- naturally a part sort of made for you to fit. Okay. If you're writing your own music, 
<clears throat> of course, you can do as you please. Yeah. If you're creating music that some, you know, sort of covering songs, you know, recreating music that other people have written, then their instrumentation is, is going to have an effect on... On what you're doing. Yeah, what you're doing, how creative you need to be and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I will say when you're in a three-piece, you know, you still have to watch your dynamics. Yeah. You still have to kind of put all the peaks and troughs in there. So, you know, usually, traditionally, when we get to a chorus, you know, we want it to be really banging, but a verse, it might peel it back a little bit more. But if we're talking a second guitar, yeah, then a second guitar could literally be playing sort of a second fiddle to what the main guitar is doing. Yeah, higher up the neck, take up some other frequencies or something. Right. Now, frequencies, that's an, that's an interesting thing. Um, and, yeah, I think we, we do need to discuss that. In a little while. I think we yeah. should play guitar though. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do, do it. That. I'll put my uh, coffee back down. There we go. As I um as I always say, you know, I haven't sat down and meticulously studied REM, but I listened to the track, I listened to how it sounded, I probably looked at a few tabs at the time and maybe watched a few people, including them, play it live. Yeah. But I came up with parts that worked and parts that gave it space where need be and made it nice and rocky where need be. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, what have you got for the opening riff? Or what is, do you know what Tim's got, should I say? He's got some of the, yeah, he's the got the opening part. riff, I think. So, yeah. I mean, this is what I played for the one I love. <laughs> So I'm playing a fairly big open sounding riff going from that big open E to an E minor while well, hitting the bass to the treble and the third on the bottom string. guitar player exactly yeah because if you just strum your way through things you're going to end up with a wall of noise yeah yeah we don't want that no I mean you know Oasis made an entire career out of it that kind of sort of wall of slightly kind of messy open uh, sort of open position chords and if you want that sound it hasn't got longevity really well unless you're unless you're playing an Oasis tune now if I'm playing an Oasis tune that's what I'll use. That's the way they sound. That's what we're going to use. But at the same time, REM aren't sitting there with really blocky power chords all the time either. No, that's right, yeah. So what I did after that was I then mellowed everything down for the verse. But we're going to look at what you could play over the intro before we move on. Okay, yeah, let's do that. So one thing I suggested to Tim was maybe if you were using a slightly cleaner sound... 
Oh, oh yeah, but also including the top two strings. And moving around the chords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without Wash, things getting like Wash. That's cool. Without things getting messy. Can we give that another shout? Yeah. One, two, three, four. <laughs> saturated so it really kind of chimes it never gets out right, the way yeah. then yeah. bit out of tune <laughs> oh right there it was in tune when he bought it <laughs> yeah yeah carry carry on <laughs> he went into the shot i'm looking for a guitar <laughs> i don't want one that maintains its tuning but i do want one that's in tune at right all now. costs that's it preferably one Gonna take it back. It's like a fucking twister. Gonna take it back because it's out of tune. Yes. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Show what, me. what they'd say to me. Follow me. So, um, no, yeah, that sounds really good. So that's uh, that's a really really good good first kind of part over that. Where you're not playing anything too weighty in the bass, it sort of keeps it out of the way yeah. while still being actually quite a you know, a reasonably cool part to play, and it sort of emphasises those high strings, which, in a way, with the main riff kind of yeah, that is always ringing. The main riff's quite meaty, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, it kind of works with that. But the E is it's there in the D sus, it's there in the E, it's there the whole time. So you want to yeah. emphasise it nicely. Nice. If if you wanted to make it meaty. The other option is to maybe play piano style where you're playing your pickup. I was just fingers. thinking. Uh, I was just. I was just thinking maybe. Uh, choose 
a less sort of washy and less maybe gainy sound. And you, you kind of avoid getting in the way of the other riff. Personally, I like the jingle jangle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aspect. No I, reason why I uh, can't write in both somehow. Absolutely. Yeah, like for the chorus <coughs> or something, or one of the choruses. Yeah, I mean, sometimes a, a neat trick that you can do is, and it's really very simple, is just don't play anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there is always it's that. really tough, folks. There's a tab for it online. <laughs> um, but, but literally, like your first, maybe, you know, chorus or whatever, or your intro, you can actually sort of leave it to one guitar, or your first verse, leave it to mm. one guitar. And then gradually bring your your things yeah, the in. Part in. Yeah. <clears throat> there were some people who were sort of masters of the arrangement. Yeah. Uh, and although it's a completely different musical style, you take Steve Vice for the love of God. He starts yeah. that melody line with no vibrato. Yeah. And then he brings in the most gentle vibrato. And by the time he's got round to the sort of you know, some of the later Sort of versions of the early guy, yeah. he's ringing the guitar's neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's, he's literally kind of ramping it up and up and up and up by yeah, a very, very controlled, in a very controlled manner. Yeah. Which is working very, very well. Yeah. And so sometimes you're taking a leaf out of that kind of book, kind of backing off yeah. to begin with. And as the song starts to take off, let yourself take off. The thing is, if, if you hit a chorus and you've got nowhere to go, you're stuffed. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, vocals are a great way of, of giving you something more in a chorus. Yeah. A great way of giving you something more. And also, you know, sort of opening the taps on your guitar a little bit and cranking up the, the volume. The volume, maybe a, a gainier, more in your face part or a, yeah. a, a more sort of kind of less subdued and more rocky kind of part. Now, after the intro, it basically goes what was to. The, uh, what was the. Um... Oh. The power chord one again that you're playing piano for. Yeah. Oh. So we've got nine and seven and two middle strings, then five and seven on the A and D, and then down to a D power swing feel you know thinking of the kind of the, the money for nothing vibe yeah 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 yeah. that kind of picking fingers type well just fingers <laughs> yeah or long way to the top by acdc yeah 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 well, again you 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 got <laughs> some the type thing yeah, yeah. yeah. and that t- seems to take up a much more slim place in the mix yeah. when we're talking about frequency and finding your frequency yeah that, that works for you <coughs> i've got a kind of a little take on this yeah um if if i'm going out and i'm playing with another guitar player most of the guitar players i have the, the pleasure of playing with you kind of know what you know unless they're going to throw you for a curveball you know what rig they're going to turn up with yeah because that's the main rig um, and in some cases, their only sort of amp. 
Yeah, an electric guitar that they're going to play live. So you're sort of aware in advance. Yeah, that's so helpful. Yeah. It is. So I knew one guy who used to turn up with a maple neck sort of super strat, which he kind of made himself like a parts caster. And his brother who made a, a 45 watt Marshall Plexi style yeah. master volume amp, which he put pedals through the front. So it was like really like the classic Marshall tone, really. Yeah. And he'd managed to squeeze a few other things out of it. And so you know kind of what you're getting. And then I thought, I played with another guy who usually used a Sur S4 guitar, which gave him a super strap, glasswood, yeah. maple top, maple neck. And then he would put that through an angle, Steve Moore's head into an angle 2x12 cabinet. And although there were quite a lot of sounds, we kind of, you know, I kind of got to know the kind of sounds that he picked. If I'm playing with Alex, just like me, he plays the Cornford MK50 and Marshall yeah. JVM2 combo. And just like me, he has a, he has <laughs> nice, a nice GG. He has a Sir Gavier <laughs> yeah. Guthrie Govan. Now, this presents a problem <clears throat> because also we have very similar sort of tonal tastes. Yeah, you know, it's funny, the things that bind you yeah. together because, you know, you, you're like, yeah, no, that sounds really cool, that sounds great, can also be sort of the things that you... Sit on top of each other. Yeah, yeah. can be a stumbling block. So unless I've got a really good reason to take my Sir guitar out, like there's a problem with the sound that I'm getting and I need to rectify it, I tend to reserve it for lessons and other gigs. Whereas my other guitars, my PRS, my Humbucker Single Single Strat and the Les Paul, those get more airtime with the band that I play with, with Alex. Yeah. Because the best thing I can do is bring some kind of separation between his sound and mine. Yeah. And really, a Les Paul sounds nothing like the Sir. Yeah, it doesn't matter that they're going through the same amps or No, I mean, although the amps still got a certain kind of tone, it's quite a different sound that I'm getting, and our guitar styles are a little different Mm. as well. You know, again, my PRS is quite different to anything he's got, um, as is my Strat. Yeah. But on the odd occasion we have both taken the Sir guitars out, it is embarrassingly close. Yeah. Tonally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you kind of think, actually I wanna I want something to sound different here. So one thing you can do, <clears throat> obviously you've got the pickup selections available on your guitar. So if someone's playing a, a really rocky sound, maybe if you're the other guitar player playing with them. I'll go for a twangy sound or... Or maybe something with just a whole bunch less saturation if yeah. they're using a very saturated sound. If their sound is chock full of effects, <clears throat> maybe try something that's a lot lighter on the effects. Mm. And the, you know, so you get less sort of mess in the mix. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of thing. And sometimes it's also about what you play. You know, if they're going out there and they're playing quite a lot. Now, I used to have this when I played in a three-piece we would occasionally do four-piece gigs. But because most of the guys who played in the three-piece band didn't really do many four-piece gigs, they were like the only guitar player, Mm. it always seemed to be that they turned up and played it as if they were the only guitar player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Now, that meant the muggings here had to do all the legwork. <laughs> yeah, I had to work around. I mean, I remember, I remember doing one gig once and, and working with one of the guitarists, 
Are we starting, you know, Kings of Leon, Sex on Fire, you know, got to be done there. And we both came in with the riff. Yeah. And then I saw from the other side of the stage that he was playing it. And so I thought, right, okay, I need to do this. And so I swapped over. And it's almost like, you know, kind of seeing what he's doing and then jumping on something completely opposite. But it can be hard to do that if you haven't got quite that amount of stuff yeah. in your trick bag to draw on. Then you're going to need to do it before you get to that stage. Before you're at the before gig. you're at the actual gig, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I often found myself playing quite complementary parts. Yeah. Um, luckily, the way I play, sometimes I, I play. If we're playing a pop song, I play the, even in a three-piece guitar-oriented band. I'll play more of a supporting role. The vocals are the most important thing, mm. and that in itself might well stay out of the way of what the other mm. guy's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> so my advice would be sometimes pick different sounds. Have, have a plan. <laughs> have a plan, but pick different sounds to what the other guy's yeah. using. You know, if he's churning it out on the bridge pickup, would you be better off on a single call setting? If he's kind of pounding away on a humbucker setting. Yeah. You know, if he's using a really thick tone, would you be better off using a skinny tone? Yeah. Now all this is down to your discernment. Now, I've always said with songs, you should never whiz on a Picasso. Yeah. You know, if there is a solo or something or a really cool part, and it is what it is, don't mess with it. If it's that good a part, stick with it. Yeah, yeah. But also be aware of where you can be a little bit more open to suggestions of, of to putting more of your own personality in there. Where you can add a bit of shimmer or a bit of... Glitz on top or something. Well, yeah. like for example, we do quite a lot of Pink Floyd stuff. Yeah, we are a four-piece rock band, so to bring it, even though Dave Gilmore, I wouldn't say uses a particularly heavily affected sound from what I can gather on that song. Mm. There's so many keyboards, so many synths, so many things to fill the air. You don't want it sounding empty and thin when someone goes for a solo. Mm. So actually, sort of having sounds like I use a delay which shoots the repeats up an octave it's the timeline ice setting yeah and I can actually pick any of the, the 12 chromatic notes for it to shoot the delay repeats up to so you can have a third a fifth a fourth nice. whatever yeah. um, and that's very very effective in, in kind of almost putting a bit of fairy dust on it like a shimmer it like sounds like there's a hundred other people <laughs> yeah it sounds it sounds big. It can sound like there's almost like a pad going on underneath you, but there's not. If we're playing Purple Rain by Prince, I'll use what's called a smear delay, which takes the delays and it kind of smooths them out into one another. It's almost like a halfway house between reverb and delay, but it really, really works. And yeah. For that song, it's it's great. You know, if you if you only got one reverb pedal or one reverb setting on your pedal. You can't flick from one to the other. You can't have a big reverb and a small reverb. The smear delay kind of takes care of some of that by, by giving you that sort of ambience that maybe you, you would have yeah. got using a different kind of effect. So thinking outside of the box a little bit, you know, yeah. does, you know, if you're adding effects, is it because you always add them or are they adding something to it? 
Yeah. I always think with some effects that some of it, you know, is very sort of indicative of the time. Yeah. So like, I will use a, a MXR Phase 90 or Money by Pink Floyd when we play that because it's got that kind of 70s vibe. Yeah, it's got the 70s written all over it. Whereas if you're doing the Prince thing, you know, it's a pristine digital delay. Yep. You know, and, and a pristine digital chorus because it was the 80s. And that's what was popular. That's what you've got to go for. You've got to think about the time, yeah. You do. So that magically sort of turns your sound into a, you know, a slightly more kind of 80s influenced vibe. Yeah. You know, with lots of grease on your guitar, and it turns her into Steve yeah. Winker through a heartbeat. You know? <laughs> Authenticity and, and stuff, yeah. To a degree, I mean, if we were being truly authentic, I guess we'd have the original effects and original yeah. amp selection, but yeah, it's just not practical for the majority no. of us. But, you know, your choices as far as guitars go, settings on guitars, as much as anything, you know, some one thing which you, you see in music quite a lot is where a rhythm part is doubled. Now, you have to be a pretty tight player to double someone's rhythm. Mm. But, you know, often somebody will go in and, and say over a kind of like a hard rock song or something, someone will lay down like a, a gainier, more saturated sound using like a super strap with a hot bridge pickup. Yeah. More gain. And then they'll go back over it with a telecaster or a Les Paul through a plexi to get the definition. And when you mix the two sounds back together, you get that definition. I think they uh, on that pedal show, they mentioned Tom Petty as a brilliant example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did they mention? Should have mentioned somewhere else. Maybe it was even Bad Company, it might have been. But yeah, definitely um, Tom Petty. So let's look at the verse in this song. Yeah. Once we get beyond the verse and chorus, there's not a lot left to really deal with, is there? So what I suggested for maybe the verse, it all kind of calms down. So what I used to play in the verse on this song went something like this. going between E minor so E minor 7 and then when you take a C shape you move it up 2 frets like an open C chord so you get the F sharp in it like it's a D but you get the open G as well yeah so you get a nice yeah. kind of floaty quality would you have played like a sus like that kind of doubling up the top it's an option. So if that's sort of the part, the kind of part that Tim's playing, yeah, we might be putting the D down here. I was suggesting that there's several ways to go with it. Yeah. One way to go with it is you could play sort of chord shapes. Higher up. Like the 
way, if you, especially if you were quite low in the mix, audible, but quite low. It's nice. It's a nice, it's a nice part. Yeah, try and keep the strings kind of almost single as much as you can as well, I think, isn't it? Arranging, sorry, back to the arranging and the, the sort of thinking of yeah. what other sounds you could use. You could even have quite a nice delay and. to play even more spartan, but let the delay fill the air a little bit, give you some of that space. Yeah, nice. A little bit of delay. Again, Tim's nice. down the bottom, you're working at the top. <coughs> you could take it as high up as you wanted to, you could even start it up here. And you start in the kind of A minor shape. From there. Oh, or well, the uh, 16, 17, 15. sizable delay which I do not have with me can I give that another shot over your yeah of course Something like that's quite sort of subtle. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that would sound good. Now for the chorus, I mean the chorus is where it gets pretty this, meaty, really. Uh So 
kind of full chords higher up or something like that. So, so G like up here. So you could, you could I mean, it wants to be meaty. So, so probably you, I would keep it fairly straight, maybe. Or yeah. Spit things up. So if we do something like a whole lot of Rosie by ACDC, so he's gonna, you know, after we do it, he's gonna carry. Yeah. I'm putting that on here. 
definition, because essentially I'm playing a power chord but not too up. Would you, um, for the uh, the one I love, would you go from, because we've got a kind of thin sound on the single pickup for the first bit, this kind of... So then for the main chord, would you literally just down to the... Probably, probably yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, yeah, prob probably do that. Go to the bridge pickup. Full, full humber, yeah. Thinking about this sort of recently with the, the whole sort of frequencies and, yeah. and that sort of thing, and I thought really when you go from one guitar to another, yeah, okay, some guitars are fit for a certain purpose. So if you want a guitar to kind of play sort of met, metal on and stuff like that, you know, you're going to want a certain kind of guitar probably. Yeah, you know, if you want something that's really shred worthy. You're going to want to say it's all guitar again. That's yeah. right, if that's the actual thing. Um, if you want a Les Paul sound, you know, you want it to sound like a Les Paul. Most of us want it to sound like a classic Les Paul. This is one of the arguments put forward to Gibson. Luckily, they listened recently when they sort of they still do the guitars with cold taps and all that sort of thing, yeah. and switching. But now their, their standard is based on a, a 50s or 60s generic Les Paul yeah yeah depending on which one you choose and that's what people want when people think of a Les Paul especially a Les Paul standard they think of something like this yeah where it's a three position switch two volume two hump tone two humbuckers yeah and no messing around a um, whole lot of Rosie <laughs> so you know when we buy one guitar or another guitar or we come to choose what we're what we're wanting to buy yeah you know, I realise the drivers for buying a new instrument are wide and varied. Yeah. For some people, it's, I've got some cash in my pocket, I just want to blow it. For other two people, it's my heart's been set on such and such a guitar, or I want to buy it for my 50th birthday because it's a really special purchase. Yeah. You know, for other people, maybe working musicians, you know, you know they're now doing this or that or the other. They might buy now, them and sell them, depending on their jobs. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, you know... Um, this is, you know, this is the this is the thing. Um, the Sir Guffrey Govan that Alex has got originally bothered, um, belonged to Adam Goldsmith. Oh yeah, he's told me that. One yeah. of the one of it's the amazing. sort of UK's most renowned sort of session guitar players. Yeah, and he does all kinds of work. The guy's never out of works forever doing TV work and all sorts of things. And he did a tweet when he got the guitar. He tweeted. Like, this is the best guitar I've, I've ever bought. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but clearly he didn't hang on to it. Yeah, yeah. It did a job that he needed it to do. Um, and when he was interviewed a few years ago about, you know, what makes a great all-rounder, he said for him, the two guitars that stand out, because he said that sometimes the problem you have is you get a guitar that sounds like everything and nothing. Mm. You know, so he said for him, he finds a 335 is a really great all-rounder. It still sounds like the guitar it is, but he said, you know, it can be quite surprisingly jangly. 
Yeah, it's kind of split coils usually, and yeah. I mean, my, right, most three three fives are like the old school Gibsons where they don't. They don't have that, yeah. No, um, whereas like yours and the Epiphone Pro that has that as a sort of a. I like that digital feature actually. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it can be useful, but I mean, even on its own, it's got got a lot of maple in the building mm. stage, you know, for the for the neck and the body, and that imparts a very different sound. Right. You know, a much brighter sound. Maple is a very 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 hard wood. Um, but then he also was saying the other guitar that he really likes. He's got a a not a, a um oh, what's his name Rory Gallagher. Oh, yeah. custom shop strat and he's had a, a sort of a humbucker strat sized humbucker pickup put in the bridge just to give it a bit more wallop at the bridge mm. and he said that again still sounds like a strat you know a bit like mine yeah but it, you know it's every inch of strat tonality but the humbucker just expands what the guitar can can do mm. so <clears throat> long story short i was thinking you know we like lots of different guitars, what's it all about? Mm. And okay, yeah, some people buy them because they love the look of them, or some people buy them because they say they've got money burning a hole in their pocket. But if we're buying them for the right reasons, i.e., you know, not that there's any rules, you know, if you want to buy a guitar, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Be my guest, I'm going to stop you. Yeah. <clears throat> but if we're buying them for sonic reasons, like I don't have that sound in my collection of guitars, mm. and it's the sound I would like to have. And it's the sound that I'd like to use for recording. It's the sound I'd like to use for a live show. Um, I don't have a Telecaster. Mm. And although I never used a Tele much for live work, I think if I had one I really liked, I would. Yeah. And I actually, yeah, I do miss, after after having a few Tellys over the years, I do miss not having a Tele because the Strat just isn't the same. Yeah. Les Paul's a completely different beast. PRS, it's, it's nothing like it. A super strat is about as far removed from a telly as you can get. <laughs> but you know, something like a telly or a 335 or a Les Paul, they're all made differently, they all sound differently, they're all tapping into slightly different frequencies. Mm. And so, when you're listening to a Les Paul, although you might get some quite bright Les Pauls, for the most part, they have usually a slightly mellower voice, mm. sort of maybe, mm. you know, a slightly, a slightly kind of more plummy. Yeah, plummy is kind a good description for sort, it. Yeah. Sort, yeah, sort of tone. Um, whereas earthy, with, earthy, yeah. Mm. With, with strats, you know, you you've got that woody bite mm. of the neck pickup, but it's full of sort of warmth and bottom end underneath it. Yeah, you know, the, and the kind of quite delicate sounds of the in between settings on a, on a strat. Yeah, you know, so all the guitars have their own kind of frequencies in a way that they're good at. You know, when you look at even just pickups, for example, you know, humbuckers tend to be more centered, centered around the mid-range. You get some humbuckers that are very bright, um, but usually, if you were to take like for like, like a vintage humbucker and a vintage single coil, although you might get quite a bright humbucker mm. being at vintage, it's likely it would have, by its very nature and design, a little more kick in the mids mm. than the equivalent strap pickup. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, out the mids a bit more. Yeah, so you can understand if that's like a, a sad face EQ, rolling off the top, rolling off the bottom, accentuating the mids, and the strat is like a, a smiley face EQ. Yeah. Where we, we've got some, quite a lot of bottom, quite a lot of top, and not much in the middle. When the two combine, they work. 
Yeah, yeah. They fill in the gaps that the other is uh, leaving for them. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And also it gives, I think when you're playing a band like I do, where we've got a lot of solos, we've got a lot of guitar opportunities, as it flits from one player to another, you can tell who's playing. I mean, you've been singing yeah, enough Yeah, time, very much, yeah. And you can tell what we're playing. Very different voices, yeah. Different, yeah, absolutely. And that all kind of goes in the big old melting pot. So some of it is down to your guitar part, mm. some of it is down to the sounds that you choose with that particular guitar, and sometimes it'll be down to the guitar. The guitar. Yeah. I mean, like one thing that I tend to do on every guitar that I I come in contact with, unless it hasn't got a tone control, is if I'm playing using gain, I usually roll the tone back, and it's simply because I don't like sounds that are too harsh. Mm. So, you know, on this Les Paul. Ice picky. Yeah, sometimes they're not even overly harsh. Yeah. But, you know, like I've rolled the tone back on the neck pickup of this Les Paul. Lovely. <laughs> it's only just knocked back a couple yeah, of Yeah, nice. Yeah. It makes a difference. On my bridge pickup, I'm down to about five and a half on the tone. If I max it out to ten, it's only a yeah. little subtle difference. But you can hear that it's a bit more bitey. Yeah. So I dial some of that out. Or I leave enough in so there's, there's clarity and plenty. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's all good. Yeah, so when you're when you're choosing your sounds, you know, be sympathetic. Yeah, you know, what's so the other guy fit in the yeah in the whole mix? What's the other guy? You know, what's the other guy doing? You know, what's he playing? I mean, I've played plenty of weddings, believe it or not. We're playing Lesport at a wedding. Yeah, you know, no single coil sounds. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't get some good sounds with it, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, in I the middle in particular, isn't it, if you like rolling back? Yeah, I mean, in the, in the middle you've got... You sort of Hendrix-isms. Yeah, it's convincing. So, you know, even with a Les Paul, you know, although we've got no single core sounds here, mm. you know, we can sort of emulate some of those sounds and maxing the tones out makes the sound brighter still. Yeah. You know, which, which again, sort of might help to kind of emphasise some of the, the sort of single coreness in the tone. Okay. You know, so even if you're playing with a guitar that maybe, you know, the excuse might be, well, I'm playing with a guitar with fairly limited sounds. It doesn't necessarily have to be that you can't get the sounds that you require. Mm. Sometimes you've just got to be a little bit clever with it. Most guitars have some kind of treble bleed. This mm. is a capacitor over the volume, which as you roll back the volume, the sound either increases in brightness or certainly doesn't get dull because the bottom end is rolled off, leaving the treble frequencies. Mm. That you can actually use to your advantage. Mm. So, you know... I've got that on my strap. I had somebody fit that onto my strap because it didn't come as standard. And it's made it a far more usable guitar because I can roll that volume back 
Yeah. And we just get lovely, lovely shimmer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and plenty of top end, which which doesn't kind of tread on anybody's toes. You know, so a bit of sympathy for what the other guy's playing, a bit of sympathy for what the other guy's choosing was a tone. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. Uh, and, and also, as I say, you know, if, if a part is a cool part, play that part. Yeah, yeah. If That's there isn't good. one, you have to get, you know, you have to get, what's the word, inventive and creative. What have you done on that other, um, the... Uh... Oh, right. Sorry, this requires drinking of the yes. coffee. My coffee has been sitting here for about, I don't know, I'm, I dread to think. Don't mind. <laughs> uh, coffee's good. That's kind of about where that sound needs to be, isn't it, I think, actually. So this other track was Feel Like Making Love... Um, by Brad Company. So yeah, you've got the original thing. bizarre reference for you yeah um there used to be in guitarist magazine by guitar magazine yes yeah <laughs> there used to be a little um a little article every month in there way back in the day and it was called the style file yeah and they would look into somebody's guitar playing as famous guitar player and they would see what they do Yes. Yeah. Now, you don't need to be Slash or Eric Clapton or Alan Holdsworth or Dave Gilmore yeah. to have your little idiosyncrasies in your playing. The little things that you do, that maybe only you do, maybe you mm. figure them out and you kind of like them mm. and they kind of work for you. Yeah. Well, I know I've got lots of those. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they are actually very useful. Yeah. Now, some months ago, it's probably, it's probably more like a year or two ago, in my band, we were trying to do a game. It's an all-guitar band, as we know. We were trying to do a version of um, Run Like Hell by Pink Floyd. Yeah. But we don't want to just be playing the same thing all the time. So you've got one guy <laughs> doing this.
okay. while that's all going on, <laughs> we've got a multi-tap delay as well, um, doing its thing and giving us some lovely, crazy sounds. Yeah. But I thought, do I want to be playing the same thing as Al? Well, no. He <laughs> says no. Yeah. So I decided to play this. <laughs> Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, because my, my part's kind of... Yeah, it sounds really good, yeah, yeah. So I carry on going down. Yeah, gotcha, so you're up here. Yeah. Of the D string against the open G. 
So you can do a similar thing, you know. It is, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of open strings there, so this is, I think, something which is indicative of my style. Is, is you're utilising the open strings to. I must admit, I'm sort of on the C. I'm just kind of going. I'm sort of that yeah. kind of. You play so what you play. Good. Just I'm a bit confused now actually on that one, but 
because there is a C in there, but it's very fleeting. It's yeah, sort of just I, D and G almost. I just reflected it in my rhythm. Yeah, I'm, it's good. It's Yeah. about their, you know, what they do, um, which can be, you know, 
quite hard to interpret, you know, and get it just right. But with things like classic rock, you know, back then guitar styles were a little different from what we have mm. today. And some of it, you know, deserves a shot in the arm. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I know Eddie Van Halen said that when he came along in 78, he felt guitar had died a death, what with disco and, and, and glam sort of yeah. making it kind of like pant its last breath. Yeah. And he felt he gave it a shot in the arm. <clears throat> sort of another chance of becoming popular and, and cool. Mm. And I think that's very, very true. And, and, you know, sometimes when we look at souls, you think, you know, I know they didn't have some of the sounds we have yeah, back yeah. then. <clears throat> I know the people, generally speaking, didn't always sort of, you know, maybe sort of have such technical abilities. Yeah, yeah. that kind of guitar playing was really reserved for, for a handful of people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Richie Blackmore was, was considered quite a technical guitar player. Yeah, yeah, you compare him to someone like Ingray <laughs> Malmsteen yeah. and, and, you know, it sort of pales into insignificance in terms of the, the sort of technical ability. I'm not saying he hasn't brought a lot to the table. He's an amazing yeah. player. And he's got a lot of personality in his playing, that's for sure. But if you can meld some of that amazing personality that people have brought to the rock scene, mm -hmm. but add a dash of your own thing, yeah, yeah, just yeah. Just a little bit of you being well, you. Those two guitars working together like that, it's going to sound it's going to sound awesome. If you out. get it right, it's one of those things that, that has the tendency to really, really work when it works and be a, a cataclysmic error when it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember in the very early days of, of, of my band when Alex had first joined, going back, I guess, about nine, nine years or so ago now, and we worked out a lot of twin guitar stuff and we really wanted to kind of be better than the last thing that we worked out. So we, we put our stamp on it, did our yeah, thing with it. Yeah. And what was kind of cool was we thought, right, we've got Prince's Purple Rain, the classic. We're going to double time the end, which I'd seen the drummer do when I'd done an open mic once. We thought, that's pretty cool, but now let's do something special with that so it goes somewhere. Mm. rather than just ending a massive solo or nothing else. So we wrote a whole section, and we were wanting it to be challenging and difficult. We wanted jaws to drop. We wanted people to go, wow, how the hell would you play that? Mm. Like, let alone together. Mm. But to get it to that stage and that level where we could do it, we had to go through the pain barrier. One time <laughs> yeah, we went yeah, to yeah. the studio, we had a rehearsal, we were really excited. Oh, I got this cool thing we're going to do with the you know, Purple Rain. I'll just you watch. <laughs> and it was just a mess. Yeah, it was a mess. It's like it's like we've both been pushed down a massive flight of stairs with our guitar <laughs> strapped to us and turned up to eleven. It's very comforting. Yeah. To yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was absolutely atrocious. Yeah. And so we were like, okay, sorry about that, guys. What we're going to do? We're going to we're going to work with the metronome. Mm. We're going to make sure we're totally sure of our parts because these are technically difficult parts mm -hmm. and we're going to come back book another rehearsal and we'll come back we'll yeah, yeah. It. and we did yeah but you know you would <laughs> you would not have got that I don't think on a record back in 1971 or no no no, no, no. definitely not I mean you know Jim, Jimmy if Hendrix anyone's in Brighton come and check them out come and check out the full house yeah. 
But we we sort of tried to take rock and take our opportunities and chances with it where we can. Yeah. And give things a little bit of a a little bit of a twist. Mm. You know, if I want to go and listen to the record, I can buy a CD for next to nothing. Yeah. And sit in my room and listen to it. I I want the audience to be excited about what they're hearing. Yeah. You know, and that means bringing some of the sounds, guitar sounds, maybe a little more up to date. Bringing some of the guitar solos into the twenty first century. Yeah, yeah, you know, bringing some of the the twin guitar stuff that's really pretty hairy to to the table. I mean, we did U twos with or without you, and we just decided, you know, it's a great song. It's kind of like a bit boring. It is a bit boring. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's an atmospheric tune. It would work great in a film or something like that. Yeah, and so what we did was we took it and we wrote a whole middle section with very melodic and in harmony with each other guitar sort of bit yeah you know and so there's there's plenty of room for manoeuvre yeah with some songs not with everything but with some songs there is so take those chances you know try and come up with something that's cool if you you know if the original record only had one guitar on the track you are going to have to obviously fight a little bit for space yeah and find something where you can shoehorn in what you've got to do and as I say don't be afraid for a verse or so to to duck out okay you know if we if we play Mr. Brightside it's a single guitar song yeah. so I'll come in from the pre-chorus and chorus but I won't come in in the verses because it's just it's too much doesn't need it yeah okay thanks Dan that's alright I hope that's been helpful anyway. really helpful yeah just what I need to be working on no worries Stay tuned for more episodes, jams, improvisation ideas and well-informed thoughts about amps, pedals and guitar tone. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud or see our website on tunein-toneup.com. Here you'll find show notes, tabs and further research and resources. It's also a good place to get in touch. We hope you're finding these lessons as interesting and as useful as I do and if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. Hey.